and thank you for tuning in to the Real Life Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Spears, author, speaker, advocate, and someone who loves to hear inspiring, extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm fortunate that I get to meet so many different people, and I'm super excited to introduce you to one of them now. My guest today is Rosemary Harris, and I'm so excited that you're here uh, in studio. I'm so excited to be here. I'm glad you are. So I have a long list of questions. Oh, and the, the very first question is, um, are you happily married? <laughs> <laughs> I'm very happily married. Oh, okay, so good. What a question. <laughs> you know, it's only, you're the only one I've ever asked or will ever ask that. So obviously everyone probably knows that you and I are married. So I've been thinking of what's going to be my opening. And I thought, okay, that's, that's going to be I what I'm going to leave. I love that. <laughs> All right, so now that we know how amazingly happily married you are, um, so you were you did not want to do this today, though. You oh, were no. okay. So tell me why. Oh, it's the fear of uh, the cameras and public speaking. I've I've had this fear since high school. Mm. I used to give book reports with no notes at all, and would love it, and was. You know, just look forward to uh, standing out in front of the class. And then I gave a report on amphetamines. <laughs> <laughs> and, That's uh, what it was called. Okay. Well, it was in my health class. Okay. I had Miss Armstrong. And I can remember standing up behind the podium. And I, my dad had helped me, who was a doctor. And he... Uh, we we it was really I felt I felt good about it, but there were some people in the audience that um, were considered maybe the oh uh, maybe the drug users at school, mm. and I just felt we called those hoods. Well, <laughs> they were really very nice people, of course, <laughs> but I felt very intimidated and. For the very first time, I was giving my report, and I paused because I thought literally the class could see my heart beating. Oh, wow. And That's then, fair. Yeah, and I stopped, and I thought, I don't believe I've ever felt so uncomfortable. Wow. So what was your fear? Your fear was you were being judged because it wasn't your material, right? There was no question. That and that maybe I was uh, not... Um, I was not, it was not appropriate for me to stand up and give this report. And it just came to me during that whole process. Even Mrs. Armstrong said, Rosemary, are you okay? <laughs> you say no. <laughs> I, 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 was, I was frozen. Yeah. But I did finish. And then two weeks later, I had a report to give in biology. And I dreaded it. I just dreaded it. And the same thing happened. Mm. And so then I started to avoid mm. the situation. Well, it, mm. it's the, there's a reason it's the number one fear for people. Like, they fear that over death, right? So, right. I, I mean, I you know, you know this uh, better than anyone. I had a huge fear of it in the beginning. And I'm still not. I don't, look at you. <laughs> so nice. Oh, my but gosh. I never, ever uh, stand <clears throat> next to the stage when I'm about to speak or here. And I'm not incredibly nervous. So I think that's I think that comes with it. So Well, my mother so you know. used to say, if you aren't nervous, there's something wrong. Mm. Um, 
but she used to get up in front of big groups and she would give book reviews and she would say that being nervous really makes you better. I think so. I think I can say this for me, it creates this laser like focus that I don't get any other way unless I'm under some kind of pressure or I think that maybe that comes from sports. But you have would you can you consider yourself an introvert, fair to say? Definitely. Do you think that is because there's a lot of people listening that would be uh, have that same fear. They wouldn't want to be, you know. I, I mean, I've even heard you say you when people are going around the room introducing themselves, you don't even, that that even makes you nervous. Is that true? Yes, and I have had a lot of uh, therapy about it. Okay. And I even went to a session at uh, one of our hospitals here about we would stand in front of, uh, well, in, in on the stage, in the auditorium, and give our presentation, and we couldn't have any notes of any kind, and I was fine. But if the room had been filled, mm. it would be very different. Yeah. Uh, so I've really done a lot of work, but what I learned is that when the introductions begin, that I start thinking about something totally different. Oh, okay. I take myself right out of the room, and then when um, my turn comes, it's just so much easier because I don't have the anxiety of waiting for them to get around to me. So, so then you don't know who anyone else is, though. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get to know them other ways. So, you know, if we have name tags or, but um, with practice, it gets better. Yeah. But I remember in sales when I was young and we would go to these very large um, sales meetings and on occasion, someone would put a microphone in my face mm. and that was always a disaster yeah. because I would need to think about the question. Yeah. And that's pretty uh, typical of an introvert. It's funny, though, to, to be around you. I would think most people are going to be surprised you're an introvert. Like, you don't come off as an introvert because you are so comfortable socially. You're great in a social setting. Like, between the two of us, well, thank I'm you. the nightmare. About, I just want to, you know, sit in the corner or talk to one or two people. But you're really good at it so that's learned so that would be well, a great takeaway you. right that's I mean that is a skill well I learned that probably from my mother mm -hmm. I mean she was a 10 extrovert my dad was a one or a 10 introvert mm -hmm. and he was very happy with a book mm -hmm. or in front of the microscope or alone my mother, not so much she looked forward to the party yeah. <laughs> and wanted to be the center of attention and, you know, if I know what to expect, I mean, if we're having people over. Um, you hate I, it. <laughs> <laughs> well, you don't like, you, I, like, I really I, like it when it's over. Well, you, so, so last but year, I do enjoy it. I know you do. I know that. But you don't know that. That's what's so funny is like I know afterwards you're going to go, oh, my gosh, that was so much fun. But the lead up, you are, you just, it's like, you would, I'm not going to say you would rather do anything but, but I think that's true. Do you remember last year when in a weak moment I said, uh, hey, let's throw you a birthday party. And you were like, okay. And I was like, oh my gosh, I was stunned because you don't like birthday parties. No. And so I immediately had 65 people. 
that all wanted to come celebrate you. And I remember being, I was sitting in the backyard with everybody and I can see you walking through the house and I saw you walk through, you know, like room by room. And I saw you go in, but into the back of the house and shut the door. And I was like, oh, she's done. I don't know if she's going to come back out. And you did, but you just needed to go, like, catch your breath. I did. So, I did. anyway, we had a great it, time, by the well, way. Well, and I was, wor- <laughs> you know, I, I, I think I find that the anxiety comes from wanting the guests to have a, a very positive experience. Yeah. And the air conditioner went out. Well, and, you know, that. August... Yeah. August 14th is my birthday. <laughs> Look at you. Nice. Mm-hmm. And so everyone was so hot. And I just, uh, well, what do you do about that? That's funny. Well, it is the one of the the big, uh, for, for you and I, like I always want to party. And, I wanna, and I'm happy to throw my own party, as you know. I'm happy to organize it and do it all. And if someone forgets my birthday, I feel like that's my fault that I didn't tell you. So look at you throwing out your birthday. Right. I like it. All right. <laughs> but I do think that's interesting, the whole introvert piece. Like when people get introduced into a group or people are, um, you know, have to get up and give their elevator pitch or their, you know, quick commercial, that um, I'm going to say most people aren't aren't good at that. Most people just aren't, not really comfortable with they're not good at it, but I think it's something that people have to be really good at. And you've learned that, right? You, so well, you, I'm learning. <laughs> So you, so you had two big fears. You, I think you mentioned to me. So the first one is the fear of public speaking, and the second one, well, cancer. Okay, so, just like everyone is yeah. afraid of it. I lost two sisters to cancer, so it, uh, and I think everyone has someone they love that has experienced cancer. But we were having dinner last night with. A friend that had um, stage one ovarian cancer, mm-hmm. but when my sister Esther uh, was diagnosed with cancer, she thought she'd thrown her back out, or she was having gallbladder trouble, and uh, it was stage four ovarian cancer. So she really fought hard and uh, did everything she could do. But uh, we lost her two years ago. I'm so glad we're talking about her. We took kind of a serious turn. Mm-hmm. Um, but yet, when I think of her, I just I just laugh. Don't you just, she was, I don't think she was Hilarious. the funniest people on the planet. Funniest people on the planet. <laughs> yeah. She And she was a warrior. I mean, the way she approached it. So, uh, you're right. I think everybody has that fear. And, mm-hmm. you know, have you... In your family, obviously, your sister, you lost, first sister, you lost to breast cancer, and then no. Esther to yes, ovarian cancer. But yes. they both were warriors about it. They were. What you, you they know. were. My uh, sister that uh, died uh, first in 05, she uh, had breast cancer, and then it metastasized to the bone. But she wanted to live to see those grandchildren, mm-hmm. my niece, had a daughter, and then she gave birth to a little boy, of course, Jack and Catherine, and um, that really was her goal, to see him christened, to see Jack uh, christened, and she made it. It was tough, but um, both Tim and Esther, uh, they were and are an inspiration to me. 
Oh, Tam so. would be so proud of Chris mm -hmm. and those kids. She would. She would. I know you you think about them all the time. I and, do. Yeah, every day. I know. I know. Every day. I know. So, mm -hmm. well, I, uh, as you know, yo, go ahead. But this is what I want to say Tell about me. it. Tell me. I think that, like Esther, I think when you have an illness like that, um, just finding joy in small things uh, mean it means so much. I think she really uh, focused on relationships, and she surrounded her people herself with people that made her happy. And so I, I think that is uh, key to try to eliminate the stress of what's to come tomorrow, mm -hmm. but try to remain in the present. I think that's what I learned from her. I think you're really good at it. What's like, that? About you try very hard to stay present. Mm -hmm. I know you have a lot of anxiety about different things, but since we've been together, so... Uh, the one, you know, people always say, you know, when we're talking about, they see us on Facebook or whatever, um, it, that really is our life. Like, we're the people that are, like, some people go, oh, it just looks like that. We're having a great time. <laughs> we have an amazing time. We do. Like, we have made a decision as a couple to be joyful. And I love that that's been um, one of the many great gifts of being married to you has just been you're always up for the adventure. Like I love to go, well, let's go do, and you're always like, okay, let's go. Let's like, go buy a trailer. Yeah. <laughs> you're okay. Not, uh, <laughs> you've enjoyed And it's that. been so much fun. Okay, <laughs> what a well, great way to see the country. But I think everybody is stunned that we're driving around in, a, in an F-150 and a travel trailer. And I don't know why they're stunned. Well, it, I get the question all the time. So how did you like the trailer? <laughs> And I really do like the trailer. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we camp out with the, our friends, and then you wake up in the morning, and you have your coffee with everyone, and there may be elk yeah. right there with you, or having the birds come around. It's, it's really very peaceful and fun. Yeah. So, so you think that as a couple that couples need to make a decision. Like we're going to do a couples workshop, as you know, our, you know, Wally and I are going to do that coming up soon. But, um, I think that we have been very intentional and, in, you know, I mean, the first couple of years, <laughs> you know, once we got through, we got settled in and everything was good. Uh, we, I think made some big decisions of how we were going to, what we were going to do, how we were going right. to live this life. And, uh, I can remember driving down the road, in those journals that, you know, and, and you writing everything down. Goal and, setting. Yeah, and every year we go back and look, and we're always, like one year you wrote something super random. You wrote, I want to ride on the train from Sil the Silverton trains. Is that, is that right? Yeah, in and Colorado. In Colorado, and all of a sudden we get um, invited to, somebody bought a house at an auction. Anyway. In Durango. Without even thinking about it. Mm -hmm. Then we look back at that the next year and go, oh my gosh. And you rode on the train. I did not want to ride on the train. I mean, it wasn't my thing, but I was supporting you. But I got called out on a business trip. And didn't so you didn't have to. <laughs> well, no, what I'm saying is just how those things all come true. Right. Right. Like, right. like that's a, but, but I think that people don't understand it. We don't just. It doesn't just fall into our lap. We in, we set our intention. Right? I was 
discussing that very thing with a friend that is um, in need of a transplant. Okay. Just yesterday, I was I had lunch you had a big with day yesterday. I did. <laughs> I had lunch with her, and she was saying, "I am not going to be doom and gloom." Nice. Um, she'll be put on the transplant list in about ten days. A few things have to uh, boxes have to be checked for her, but um, she said, "I really." surround myself with only positive people and I in my mind write down what I want the results to be and she said I know that we will get there she needs a kidney and pancreas transplant and her numbers right now are not very good but she is I think she is amazing. She is amazing. I know who you're talking about, and mm-hmm. I know we're crazy about her, and we'll do anything we can to help her. Mm-hmm. And But I think that having that mindset, uh, as you and I discuss often, like when we see somebody going through that, we always think, okay, they're making a huge decision by deciding how they're going to treat that. And she's making a really good decision. She is. Well, when you think of all of those little decisions and people think, you know, that it doesn't make a big difference, that it, I mean, it, it, I think it's the difference, don't you think? When we first got together, you said, look, I want a big adventure. Like you were so, <laughs> you had, you had, you know, these two amazing children that you'd raised and they were out of the house and you were just ready to live your life and do whatever you wanted to do, right? Right. And that was music to my ears. I was like, oh, you want a big adventure? <laughs> So, and we have. Oh, That's what we do every day. I know. I know. It's, it's cool. very exciting. It is. Thank but you. you you bring about what you think about. Yeah. I think that's true. But I think we are um, so fortunate when the community that we live in, we live in Tulsa, and this community has embraced us as a couple, but we live in a super amazing community of very progressive, we do. like-minded people. And that's one of my next things I wanted to ask you about. You are a um, community advocate is what I would call you. So, you know, you I have watched you serve on at least six boards so far. And I know some of our conversation is maybe you shouldn't serve on. So, But I know you're so passionate about all of that. So what got you into serving on all of those boards? And, and, and tell us a little bit about that. Well, actually, the first board that I served on was at the kids at Hunter and Alexandra school and I was an advisory board member and some people think advisory boards really don't do much but that was the place that I really learned and Hannah Robson asked me to join and we then went through um, a capital campaign for the school and that was um quite a learning experience and um, but then as I got older and the kids went on to college uh, there were uh, organizations that other friends invited me to join and one of them was Divis Mm. and I I just have been so fortunate to be around so many smart people um, domestic Violence Intervention Services. Yes, service. Domestic a- Violence Intervention Services. And we also, since I joined the board, um, went through a capital campaign, and I was on that committee for a new shelter. 
and um, the administrative offices have moved as well. But Tracy Lyle took over as the executive director, and her team is, well, they're just amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And there is such a need, and there is so much to know about the psychology behind victims of domestic violence, and also every perpetrator mm-hmm. has a story. So we need to be thinking about how to end the cycle for both the perpetrator and the victim, and I've just learned so much. And um, So you can't even tell about what it's like to be on a board without emotionally advocating. Yes. For, I love that about you though. Like you're, yes, I, well, you're you, that passionate about five or six different things. Well, I am. And there's another one, okay. um, uh, Parkside Psychiatric Hospital. I am um, a, an emeritus, board emeritus member with Divis. And when my sister was sick, I had to back away because I was going to Arkansas all the time. But I'm on the Parkside uh, Psychiatric Board and they have the most fabulous facility. Um, they do treat uh, adolescents as well as adults, um, but they have a pet uh, therapy program. And Deborah, who is the executive director there, is just so passionate about the cause. But mental illness in Tulsa. I don't know what the percentage is, but the, we have a huge percent of homeless people that... I think most cities do, though, don't yes. you? I know. Well, for sure. Yeah. But I know from family experience that uh, treatment really is a family issue that really requires the whole group to embrace whomever is suffering. And so many of these people just don't have anyone. I love that you're working to remove the stigma of that, right? Like right. That there's, there is, um, I think it's, it's more um, obvious now how important that is as we sit here and there was another, another shooting. City. Yes. Another shooting yesterday. And I don't know. Uh, I, I'm, I'm so proud of you just because I am, because you are, that's not even your, and your other real passion is we got to give a shout out to Michelle Morris, the animal really oh, animal aid. Animal aid. Yeah. Well, not only that, <laughs> I mean, they, well, my son, for example, found this stray dog that was living in um, a field. And so he was able to put a leash around her neck, put potato chips out. She came in. Well, I called Michelle. Well, sure, we can take her. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there are just so many of these animals that have And no she's not going to take every animal of everyone <laughs> oh, that <laughs> Just no, to be clear. <laughs> no, but we, we've we now started a prison program uh, nearby, and I have been supporting a prison program in New York City, and it's uh, Puppies Behind Bars. And so not only are the prisoners helped by training the dogs, but then the dogs go to um, our service men and women or uh folks that have uh, some sort of disability that require service dog. So the animal is saved, the prisoner is rehabilitated, and then you've got these other individuals that need help that have a service dog. So I I just think it's amazing. Well, I know that 
we have to receive more mail on helping <laughs> animal uh, causes, and I don't. I think that's because you give to so. I'm gonna well, say we, I, but you're. The, <laughs> and I'm passionate about it. I think it's, but not like what you are, obviously. But I don't have good boundaries. Like you could rescue a dog and take it and drop it off at the shelter. I can't even take the dog to the groomer. Like I have, I you know, it's just too traumatizing. I don't know, but I don't, you have the right temperament for it. Well, you you know, I think people don't know that about you is just how sensitive you are. Well, it's heartbreaking when when Carly, our dog, throws her, you know, her feet straight out, like, don't take me in there. You're just like, drag her on in. And like, well, oh, she'll she needs be fine. to go. I can't, I can't do it. I'm like, okay, well, we'll come back another day. <laughs> I'll put her in the car. They're not mean to okay. her, and she comes back so shiny. She has a bow. It's just beautiful. What do you think is the funniest thing that has happened since we've been together? Oh, my gosh, there's so many. I'm going to need to think about that. We should have a funny journal. I do have a funny journal, but I should. it's at home. Oh, okay. Uh, See that? No, I think most people don't realize. We do. We write down all the funny things that happen, and it makes us look for funny that makes us like look for things that are funny that make us really laugh. Would you say? I would say we belly laugh almost every day. Well, I think maybe one of the funniest stories, <laughs> if we tell it often, <laughs> would be the time we went out of town and we took Peanut, our Minpin Chihuahua, and Cher, our black lab. To, um, the, I cannot believe you're going to tell this story. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We took them to the um, boarding, boarding to the kennel. And so we got back, and I called up there, said we were back. I was coming to get them, and would they bathe the dogs? So I got up there, and Peanut was ready, but Cher wasn't. So I took Peanut home, and he was the little Minpin Chihuahua, and he had a big personality. The meanest dog on the planet, I let's loved be honest. Him. Loved him. And he was supposed to be a foster, but... Um, but because he up, bit people and peed in the house, we kept him. <laughs> and so then in a little bit, Cher was ready, so I went to get Cher, and I picked her up, and it was just the oddest thing. Maybe you want to tell the story from here. Well, I can only tell you my version of the story, but I will, and then you can uh, jump in. But I remember when you picked her up, and you called, and you said that you picked Cher up, and she had jumped in the front seat of the car, which was super unusual. I thought, what has happened? And then, uh, and I went on and went to work, so you um, were telling me all about, you know, that, and I was a big fan of not using the kennel, let's use a house sitter. So this was just evidence to me that we needed to have a house sitter because then you were telling me about how she was barking a lot, which and she really wasn't much of a barker. So she'd picked up the barking at the kennel, and not the kennel cough, not to be just you know, but yeah. that she was just barking a lot, and that um, when that she started urinating, not in the house, but you know, all around the house, like unusual. So I, I think you called me three or four times, and you had like she had a super shiny coat. Oh, she super... had the silkiest coat, and I thought I'm gonna have to find out what shampoo they used. Yeah. And another thing, I thought I'm driving her home, 
And they have this beautiful red collar on her. And I thought, because we're such good customers, (laughs) they have put this red collar on her. And it was, uh, I thought, you know, that's a very good marketing tool to uh, put brand new collars on people's dogs. But over five or six hours, it was probably more obvious to me because you called me like, three times, which you don't normally do. It was very unusual because... Well, I thought she'd developed a bladder infection. I I thought (laughs) she's barking because she hurts. She ran into the house and we had this thing with potpourri in it. And she put her nose in it and just blew the potpourri everywhere. I thought, what is that? But I think all potpourri should be eliminated from the house. Just so you know, I was really glad. Well, we don't have it that. anymore, so. Well, so I finally at 5.30 jump in the car and, you know, I remember walking in and you're standing there with your hands on your hip and you go, I don't, I don't know what's wrong with her. And I looked at her and I was like, I totally know what's wrong with her. That's, that's not our dog. <laughs> And you were like, what? I go, this this is not our dog. That never occurred to me. I know. So for never five hours, you were, you know, holed up with this dog, worrying that it had a bladder infection, and, and you were trying to buy the dog shampoo. You gave that dog the th- her thyroid, thyroid med- medication. <laughs> but the best part ever, and I wish I had a camera on it, was Peanut, the, the meanest dog on the planet, was sitting in the corner, just like going back and forth like, She'll figure this out. So in the minute well, we figured it and out. And Cher had black teeth. Her oh. front teeth when we adopted her, she had black teeth. So I went over and I lifted this dog's lip, and those teeth were as white as snow. I mean, that dog was, I mean, all black labs look but, alike, I mean, but that who, did not look like well, our dog. I never dreamed that I would go pick up <laughs> our dog and they would give me someone else's dog. And so... At that moment, my phone was ringing, and I answered it, and they said, Mrs. Harris, we have made a horrible mistake. And, of course, that was like 6.30 or something at Yeah, night. it was late, yeah. Well, yeah. she was as cute as she could be. Well, so. they were nice people, but we have had a house sitter <laughs> ever since. <laughs> my prefrontal cortex, cortex had shut down. Yeah, it was gone. It, it was, was gone. gone. Yeah. All right, well, that is probably one of the funniest stories ever i think i think that one of the funniest is uh and it's a cooking story about you oh yeah i know you don't want me to tell any cooking you can tell it if you want to i think um i think you're a really good cook by the way i do you're so nice no i do i'm very grateful i think you're 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 very good this is not indicative of your cooking your culinary skills but we were uh having a dinner party, you know, I was super excited, you not so much, and you, but you were like, I'm going to make twice baked potatoes, you remember, you know what I'm talking about. I do. And so you were in there slaving away doing your twice baked potatoes, and you came to get me, and and sometimes you'll do that, and so I went in there, and you uh, had all the potatoes on the cooking sheet, and you looked at me, and go, I'm not exactly sure uh, what to do here, and I looked at them. And every single potato was laying on its side like it should be with the, the, end uh, with the ends cut off. <laughs> and I go, I go, okay, well, what's your vision here? What do you think? Because I had no idea where you were headed with that. And you said, well, and you're a very literal person, which is, I love this about you. But when you read something, you, you take it for exactly what it says. And it said, cut the top third of the potato off. So you 
if you put it on its end, that would have been the top third. The top. <laughs> that wasn't right. <laughs> so anyway, so we we fixed it. Everybody but, laughed about it. Well, it was pretty funny. Uh, and they were great, by the way. I remember. <laughs> I don't think you've made them since. No. <laughs> but obviously, our conversation will continue forever and ever. So uh, I'm just thanks I'm very for, grateful. Likewise, great so, having you in here today. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you very much. Hi, this is Tracy. I hope you've been enjoying the podcast. To find out more about our books, online courses, and other resource materials, check us out at tracyspears.com.